Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church Online. We're diving into our Reintroducing Jesus series all through the book of Matthew. Here our brand new Matthew journals have come in. So if you're worshiping with us in person at Branch Life Church, you can grab one of these journals anytime. For those of you that worship with us online, if you would like one, just let us know. We'll do what we can to get one out to you. You can fill out your online connection card today. Let us know that you're interested in a journal, and we'll do everything we can possibly do to get these to you. If you're from a different area, a different part of town, or different state, Amazon.com sells these for $5.99. Now, if you're here at Branch Life Church, we're going to give you one for free. We're traveling through Matthew, and we will this year, so this will be a great investment for you. We're excited that you've decided to join us today. If this is your first time or you're with us every time, we hope that today will deepen your connection to Christ so that together we can reach our world. And we do ask everyone to go ahead and fill out those online connection cards at some point while you're worshiping with us today, even if you're just going to let us know you worshiped, we'd love to know that. Or if you have any questions or prayer requests, uh, you can put those there as well. We're gearing up for Easter at Branch Life Church, and we are going to do our best to launch our Pewtown campus Easter Sunday, April 4th. If you're ready to join us in person, that would be a great time to check out what's going on. Branchlife.church slash Easter will give you all the information. We'll have an online and in-person options for everyone to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'd love to see you there, and we'd love for you to invite your friends and family to join us as we celebrate the resurrection together. Thank you to everybody who's giving regularly to make Branch Life Uh, possible and to help us as we reach into our community. Those of you who give financially, you give your time and energy, especially those that are helping us renovate our campus right now. We appreciate all of you that are building the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about today at Branch Life Church, and we'd love for you to join us as we dive into Matthew chapter 3. We're going to worship with a few songs together. For those of you that are watching the premiere, we're going to read our passage and then study this. We again... Thank you for being here, and enjoy today's study. Hey, thanks again for joining us today as we dive into Matthew chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, wherever you're watching from, you're going to want to turn to Matthew chapter 3 as we continue on in our series about reintroducing Jesus. Today, literally, Jesus gets reintroduced to the world by John the Baptist. And we're going to dive into this section by asking this question, what really matters? Uh, That's what Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 is all about. It's all about what really matters. And let's start a a little game together. You've probably had this question asked or you've asked this question on a regular basis. Uh, How was your week? Or or your kids get home from school. How was your day? Your spouse makes it it home at the end of the day. You're just getting ready to go to bed. So, So how was your day, honey? How was your week? Have you ever thought about how people answer that question How was your day or how was your week? Here's here's some typical responses that you may have heard from friends, family members, kids, spouses, whoever. You say, how was your week? And they'll say, oh my word, it was a busy week. I had a really busy week. My boss had all kinds of deadlines that we had to get through. The kids' schooling was crazy. I was just running here and there and I'm exhausted. You hear that a lot, right? Busy week. How how was your week? Oh man, it it was a hard week. We had a lot of unexpected things happened. Maybe somebody got sick or they landed in the hospital or there was a trip to the ER. Maybe somebody got in trouble at school. It was a hard week. Somebody, someone might say to the answer to your question, how was your week? Oh, it was a great week. We spent it at the beach. We just had friends of ours that snuck off to the Kalahari Resorts, the indoor water park, uh, for a few days. How was your days? Oh, it was great. We were at the water park having fun, playing, all kinds of stuff. Have you ever thought about why people answer that question, how was your day or how was your week, the way that they do? The way you answer that question 
is giving a hint in to what you think really matters. It's, it's what you focus on. It's what you concentrate over. It's, it's kind of the, the, the baseline barometer for, for your value system, the way you answer that question. You know, you can go through an entire day and you can have all kinds of incredible stuff happen that day. The sun can be shining. You may have gotten an A on an exam. You drove home in a new car with a tank full of gas. You have a really great meal. But at some point in that day, there was something that happened. A friend might have said something or you got a text that really bothered you. And in that moment, someone says, how was your day? And even though you had all that really great stuff happen, because of this one text or this one comment, you're like, it was horrible. I had, a, I had an awful day. Well, did you really have an awful day? Or did that one little thing just kind of overshadow everything else? Why does that happen? Well, because we value that little thing. We value that relationship. We value that input or that moment more than the other things that happen. We kind of take those things for granted. And so it leads us to the question, what really matters. What is out there that really should make us have a good day or bad day, a good week or bad week? What is the stuff that we should be investing our time and our energy and our effort in? And the answer to that question is we should be investing our time, energy, and effort in what's going to last forever. Not the stuff that's just going to evaporate and go away uh, in, in a few moments or in a few days but the stuff that's going to last for eternity, that's the stuff that matters and that's what we should invest in. Here's how people usually don't answer the question, how was your day? Oh, I had a great day. I put $50 into a Roth IRA investment fund and I'm getting ready for that to reproduce over the course of the next 30 years and, and uh, duplicate its value every several months. Who, who talks like that? Yet that $50 investment in that, uh, in, in that fund will produce some incredible fruit down the road. But we often don't think about what we're investing in. We think about the weather of the moment. How was your day? Oh, awful. It's been cloudy and rainy and I got my hair wet. So what really matters? Let's dive in to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to read these verses together. We're going to read Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to start down in verse 11. We're going to read through verse 17. Last week, we talked about 1 through 12, uh, where John the Baptist is introduced to us, and he's telling us his role, and Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and, and Jesus in this section does something that might be a little puzzling at first. Let's read this together. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, I, John, baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Those whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came to Galilee, from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus, and you, why do you come to me? But Jesus answered John and said, Let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. So let's jump into these verses today, and again, I hope they are an encouragement to you. Here's the first question that pops up that, that if you're reading this, you're going to be like, All right, I've got a question. Why did Jesus get baptized anyway? That's a great question to ask yourself. Remember, when we're studying the Bible, we like to mark it up and make observations, but we also like to ask questions and get answers. And here's a big question. Why is Jesus getting baptized? John tells us that baptism is for repentance. Once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, once you've repented of your sins, last week we said, once you've turned in your crown, it is then the first step of obedience for us to get baptized to identify ourselves as a part of the family of God, as someone who's following God. 
We repent and we get baptized. But Jesus doesn't need to repent. He's sinless. He's sin-free. That's why his sacrifice is, is, can be credited to you and me. Jesus doesn't need to identify himself as the king in baptisms, as part of the kingdom of God. He is the ruler of God's kingdom. He is here. It's what is at hand. So why does Jesus get baptized? You know, even John asked this question. It's the whole first part of that section where Jesus comes in and John says, this is the guy, I can't even carry his shoes. And then imagine it, when Jesus starts wading into the water and he comes up to John the Baptist and John the Baptist is like, this is the guy, this is who I'm announcing, I'm the voice in the wilderness, this is my king, this is who I'm following. And he comes in to get baptized by John. And John looks at him and says, no way. No way. I'm not even worthy to carry your sandals. There's no way I'm going to baptize you. You, Jesus, my king, you should baptize me. I'm the one who's following you. And that's just a natural question. Why would Jesus come to get baptized? Well, as we read this passage together, as John looks at Jesus in the face, Jesus turns to John and he, he kind of answers in a way that just calms all of John's fears down, but he gives us a theological uh, mystery. He looks at John and he says, no, John, let me do this. I want you to baptize me because this is going to fulfill righteousness. Let's look at the verse specifically. Jesus answered him and said, let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, in this moment, is doing what was right. He was taking a step that was correct. And although John didn't understand it, and it's not for the same reasons you and I get baptized, it was the right thing for Jesus to do. And here's why we think Jesus got baptized. In this moment, there's a spectacular illustration of the Trinity of God. God is three equal parts. He's God the Father, he's God the Son, Jesus Christ, and he's the Holy Spirit. These parts are clearly seen through scripture as equal, but they have a variety of different roles. They play different purposes in the course of time. And in this moment, Jesus gets baptized. The Bible says that the Spirit descends on him like a dove, and then you hear the voice of God speak. So what happens in this moment? Number one, the son obeys. The son obeys. Jesus, in going through baptism, is demonstrating obedience to God. Even Jesus believed baptism was a step of obedience that he needed to take. Jesus, in this moment, is identifying with you and me. The Bible says that Jesus has all things in common with us. He knows our temptations. He knows our challenges. And Jesus in this moment could say, I don't need to get baptized. I'm Jesus. That's not what he does. He identifies with you and me in this moment and says, if God's asking all of his followers to get baptized, then I'm going to set a good example. I'm going to wade in the water. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to obey God too. Jesus' life is marked by obedience. He obeyed even to the death of the cross. So this act of getting wet in the Jordan River, not a big sacrifice, but an incredibly important example of obedience. Have you ever had something, uh, someone ask you to do something that you just didn't want to do? Ever like on purpose not obey? When I was in charge of, uh, when I'm in charge of my kids as a parent or when I was a, a resident assistant at college, if somebody forgot to do something or if my kids forget to do something and it just it slipped their mind, I don't get as upset about it as if, as if like I do when they intentionally didn't do it. When they on purpose did exactly the opposite of what I said they shouldn't do. In this moment, Jesus is saying to God, I know you said this and I'm going to do everything you've asked me to do, even get baptized. You see, the son obeyed the Father. The picture continues on in this powerful role of the dove or the Holy Spirit descending onto the Son. And then the voice of God is heard over the whole crowd. 
I want to unpack this for a little bit longer as we go today. Why, why is the son obeying? Uh, what's it showing us in this moment of obedience? Well, it's showing us that baptism is important. One of the most important things that we can do as followers of Jesus is get baptized. As a matter of fact, if you are a believer in Lord Jesus Christ and you have not yet been baptized, are you really following Jesus? It is clear in Scripture. Everything that we do at Branch Life Church, everything that we teach about baptism comes from this passage and the surrounding passages. John the Baptist, or the, the word baptism, literally means to dunk, to go underwater and to come back up again. That's why we believe in dunking baptism. He was John the dunker. When Jesus came to get baptized, he did not come as a child to get baptized. He came as an adult who was declaring that his obedience to God. Baptism is something that is for believers, people who have repented, and they are now signaling that they're a part of something new. Baptism is important, and baptism is important to God. It's so important that this is the first act of obedience that's recorded in Jesus' adult life. This is how he starts everything. So if you're wondering about whether or not you should get baptized, if you're struggling still with this question, let me say to you, don't wait any longer. Let's follow Jesus. If you are a follower of him, if you believed in him, if you put your faith in him, it is time for you to get baptized. Maybe you're saying, yeah, I've gotten saved, but I got baptized when I was a baby or when I was an infant. That was a wonderful thing for your family in that moment, but God has asked you to be baptized as a believer. And if you haven't done that yet, let's do it. Let's celebrate it. Baptisms are important. The second sign that's shown to us in this series is that the Spirit descends. And here's why this is important. Baptism marks a new direction. This is, this is a moment in Jesus' life where he is about to start something new. Up until this time, and Jesus was about 30, 31, 32 years old in this moment. Up until this time, Jesus was a carpenter. He was the apprentice of a carpenter. He was a carpenter's son. He had been doing the work of a carpenter, and he was preparing for his ministry, for his work. He was preparing for work that would last forever. You see, up until this moment, Jesus was fully invested in making beautiful furniture. He was probably a very skilled carpenter, but you know, we don't have any of Jesus's carpenter pieces. We don't have one chair. We don't have one table. We don't have one cabinet that Jesus made when he was a carpenter. That stuff doesn't last forever. In this moment, Jesus was starting something new. He was going a new direction. He was starting his ministry, and this work that he was about to go on, this work that he was about to do, is now going to last for all eternity. Jesus marks the beginning of his ministry in baptism. The same is true for you and I. When we become baptized, we are turning in our crown. We are acknowledging that we've died to self and we are raised anew with Jesus Christ. And this is signaling a brand new life for us, a brand new direction. And we now have the opportunity to live a life and build a kingdom that will last forever. Your mission, your purpose in life is different after you get baptized than it is before. You are now all in as a follower of Jesus, and you get to live the life that Jesus designed you to live. Your gifts, your talents, your riches, your energy, your love, your compassion is now poured out for an eternal value, for something that's going to last forever, not something that's just going to disappear and go away in a moment. You see, baptism marks a new direction. And this is a direction of earthly value. We're going to talk about more of this in a moment. But when the Spirit descends on Jesus, the Spirit's blessing, the Spirit's presence is now marking this new direction. We have with us the Spirit of God who helps us as we move forward in doing what will last. The last part of this picture is the Father speaking. Oh, let me, let me go back to Isaiah chapter 61 and show you this. It says, the Spirit, of the, uh, the Spirit of God is now upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. As followers of Jesus who have been baptized, we are anointed by the Spirit. The Spirit descends on us so we can do what will last, and that's bring the good news of Jesus 
to those around us. The last part of this picture is that the Father speaks. Baptism pleases God. God smiles when we get baptized. God rejoices when we follow in believers' baptism. If you want to do something that makes God smile, that makes God happy, it's, it's getting baptized. And if you're holding out on getting baptized, you're holding out on this incredible step that guarantees pleasing God. What does God say when the Spirit descends and it, He speaks from heaven? He says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Have you ever wanted to please your father? Have you ever gone out of your way to make sure that your dad was happy with what you did or how you did it? That's the same thing. This is the reason that Jesus gets baptized in this moment. Because baptism pleases God. He knew that if he would get baptized, he would please God the Father. So he says to John the Baptist, let's do this. Because it's going to fulfill righteousness. It's going to be the right thing to do. Because baptism is important. Because baptism marks a new direction. And because baptism pleases God. This is an incredible picture that's shown to us in this incredible passage. But as we, as we spend the rest of our time together uh, going through what all of this means, I want to talk about two takeaways for you and I. I like to ask the question, so what, whenever we read the Bible. It's a really cool picture, Jesus getting baptized and the, the dove descending and God the Father speaking and the Trinity being present in this one moment. It's really amazing to see John the Baptist call to repentance and to know that God's Spirit can baptize us and we can be baptized with, in spirit and with fire. And, and it's, it's all awesome, but, but so what? Why does this matter and why is this important to you and I? Well, let's talk about really two quick takeaways for our next season as a church. And I briefly want to talk about our next season. We're in a period of time, both as a culture and as a church, where it is time for a change of season. As I stand to record this, we're in the warmest week since last November. We are hitting the 70s, and we haven't hit the 70s for five months. Literally, the seasons are changing. But we're also coming, Lord willing, to the end of a pandemic. It, this week marks the one year uh, marks one year since the pandemic started and all of the world shut down. For a year, our lives have been changed and interrupted. We have new normals. We have we have challenges that have taken place. In my family, we've totally reorganized how we live and how we work and how we go to school. All of those things have changed, but we're on the precipice or the beginning of a new season of a new chapter, life after a pandemic, what's that going to look like? And as a church, the same thing is, too, is true. In just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Branch Life's church second birthday. We've been around as a church now for, for almost two years. And in this season, we're going to be launching our Pewtown campus. We're going to be celebrating Easter together and then celebrating our second anniversary. And God is opening the door for a new season for Branch Life Church. And we believe that what's next, this next direction, this next season for us, is going to last and matter for eternity. And this passage can speak to that, that we want to work as a church, as a family, and as a culture towards what will last and what will matter. So what are our two takeaways? Well, the first takeaway should be pretty obvious. Number one, we need to celebrate baptisms. If it was important enough for Jesus, it's important enough for us. Baptisms matter at Branch Life Church, and they should matter to you. And there's two, two parts that you play in baptisms. Number one, if you are a believer in Jesus, you've never been baptized, it's time for you to get baptized. Don't wait any longer. We're going to give you the opportunity in just a moment to solve that problem of not yet being baptized. But two, if you have been baptized, you need to be a part of the celebration of baptisms. One of my favorite things in all the world is to hear a loud cheer or an incredible celebration of uh, when someone comes to that baptism moment. I remember baptizing both my son and my daughter in connection with Branch Life Church and them coming out of the water and then our entire church family cheering and clapping and celebrating. You can bring fog horns, you can bring clap machines, you could start singing loud music or dancing in the aisles. It doesn't matter to me what it is, but we need to celebrate baptisms. 
When someone gets baptized and you just sit there and go, oh, well done, well done. That's not a celebration. Of anybody in the church, of anybody in the world, the church should be incredible at celebrating baptism because they matter. Because baptisms mark this incredible transformation, this turn from living my way to living God's way, to being uh, adopted into the family of God, knowing that I have a life that's going to be lived for eternity. We should be people that celebrate baptisms. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12 says, I baptize you with water for repentance. Repentance is something that is an incredible, valuable spiritual act. Last week, we talked all about repentance. And baptism and repentance go hand in hand. That's why God marks it with this incredible sacrament. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, we get baptized by water to symbolize that we are a part of the kingdom of God, that we have a new life, that we're walking a new direction. But at the moment of salvation, you are baptized by the presence and the ascension of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, moves into your heart and into your life. The presence of Excuse me, the presence of God is always with you. There's a lot of confusion around this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's different things that are taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can come or go, that you can do special things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise in different moments of your life. And, and I want to say to you right now that, that a lot of that can be confusing and is not based on what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit once you've been saved. And you can't lose that baptism. You can't lose that presence of God. It does not come and go. Listen, if we could lose our salvation, we all would. But we can't. And when you're saved, when you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that spirit comes in and he, he, he lives in you and he is with you always. And those gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, those talents that the Holy Spirit brings are now upon you. Baptism is important. Water baptism and spirit baptism are keys to God, and we celebrate baptisms at Branch Life Church. I hope that on Easter, we can celebrate your baptism if you've not yet been baptized. I want to invite you, every one of you who are listening, to baptism. We're not going to be able to do baptisms during our Easter services. Our building, frankly, isn't ready to do that yet. But we want to work out with you getting baptized, recording your testimony, and recording your baptism so that we can celebrate it together on Easter. If you haven't been baptized yet, go right now to that connection card and fill it out. We want you to let us know that you're ready to get baptized. And, and don't wait any longer. Don't stop. wait for me to stop this sentence. Go right now. We're linking it in your chat. We want you to go there and say, it's time. I want to be baptized. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, baptism is your next step, and you should take it right now. Remember last week we said this, if repentance draws us close to God, and it does, maybe more than any other spiritual act, repentance draws us close to God, then baptism demonstrates closeness to God. If you want to be close to God, if you want to God's presence in your life, if you want to follow after God, if you want to do something that really matters, baptism is that first step step that demonstrates you're close to God. But if you're too worried, if you're too concerned, if it's too much trouble, then really how close to God are you? Baptism shows that we are close to God and we're ready to follow him. So don't wait any longer. Go to that connection card. Let us know that you're ready to get baptized. Now, the second takeaway from this passage is that we need to focus on what will last. We need to focus on those things that are going to last for eternity and spend less time, energy, and effort on those things that won't last. So here's, here's the verse where this uh, is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It says, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will burn like unquenchable fire. Now, most of us don't know what a winnowing fork is, so I put a picture of it here on the screen. It's a lot like a pitchfork. And it's used when you're trying to get through grain or you're trying to get through wheat of some kind. And what happens is you, you take that wheat and you take the fork and you lift it up into the air and you allow the wind to blow away the lighter stuff, the stuff that's no, of no value. 
and then the heavier stuff falls to the ground and it piles up. So over time, as you keep flipping that weed, as you keep flipping through that particular crop, all the good stuff is going to fall right on the ground and all of the bad stuff, the chaff, is going to blow around. And eventually you'll have this perfect pile of wheat or of grain and then all around the pile you'll have useless chaff. The Bible says that God's winnowing fork is in his hand. And he is looking for, he is separating out the wheat and the chaff. And the chaff is going to be burnt with unquenchable fire. But the wheat, the wheat stays. The wheat is what matters. The wheat is what lasts. Last week we said that everybody falls into one of two categories, either your wheat or your chaff. And God is, is very much saying, and he's warning all of us, that we need to repent, that we need to become a part of the kingdom of God so we can be a part of what will last. And what will last for eternity. When you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, your eternity with him is secure. And what you do for him will last. But so many of us, even those of us who are saved, even those of us who are part of the wheat, spend so much time, effort, and energy on stuff that doesn't last. We spend time and effort and emotion on stuff that will not have eternal value. And so God says to us, hey, focus on what will last. And when Jesus gets baptized, he marks a new direction of an undividable focus on what will last and what will last forever. So what will you do this week that will last? It's an incredible question. Let me, let me maybe ask it this way. What did you do last week that will last forever? Now, a lot of us are just trying to make it week to week to week. I mean, with the pandemic, with all the stress, with everything that's happening, we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to get through. Is there anything that happened last week that will have eternal value and that will last for a long time? Let me, let me then challenge you about this next week. What will you do this next week that will last, that will matter, that won't just burn up, that won't just go away and never be remembered again? It brings a second question, how do I know what will last? How do I know what will last? And let me answer this question with three specific challenges that hopefully will be an encouragement to you this next week and in the next season of Branch Life Church. Number one, you know what will last when you renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may be able to discern what the will of God is, His good and acceptable and perfect will. God wants you to concentrate on, God wants you to do what will last forever? His will will last. How do we know what God wants us to do? We transform our mind. What matters in your week and in your day will come from a direct connection to God's word. We renew our mind by actively being involved in a conversation with God. We renew our minds by actively worshiping God, by actively praying to God. So over the course of these 36 days, between two Sundays ago and Easter, we're involved in 36 days of prayer. It's a really important challenge. Why is it an important challenge? Because it renews our mind. It lines our mind up with God. When our mind is renewed, when we're in God's word, we hear from God and God directs us to his good and his perfect will. When you are in the will of God, what you do will last forever. Here at Branch Life Church, we are constantly asking God to direct us and asking us as, to direct us as a church to do what will matter and what will last. And we don't often know what that will be. But when we stay studied in God's word, when we focus on who God is and when we pray to him, God answers those prayers. Over the course of the last year, we ask God to give us good connections in our community. We ask God to embed us in our community. Why do we do that? Because God said to us, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So God, we pray that you would help us love our neighbor. We ask that we would be able to follow in your will in being loving to our neighbors around us. 
And God opened the door for us as a church over this last year to pour ourselves into connecting with the Ashwood families, 50 families who lost everything in a fire. Even today, I spent an hour ministering to those families. We continue to have an ongoing relationship in assisting financially, in encouraging, and spiritually walking with families. Two of our Ashwood friends are hospitalized today for various health reasons. Yet we are a part of their journey. We didn't plan for that to happen. We didn't know that that would be a part of what God had for us and our story and our mission. But in investing in those families, we are investing in what will last. What will last forever. Then God opens the door over the last four or five months for us to adopt the Pewtown Baptist Church and for two churches to become one. We didn't have a strategy to adopt other churches. We just followed God's will in it. And we've seen God do some incredible things as we've become a church that's adopted another church and two have become one. And now we're, we're renovating facility. We're getting ready to launch a brand new campus. We're a light in this community and we're able to encourage countless other neighbors and organizations because God is, is leading in this way. So we're investing time, energy, and talent in doing what God has us to do. Why? Because we've faithfully been reading God's word, faithfully praying, renewing our minds. In your family, in your home, and in our church, let's continue to renew our minds. We're going to stay dedicated to God's word and hear from him about what we're going to do next. Maybe for you, it's loving the neighbor across the street or the family member that's been challenged or a little bit uh, more difficult. Maybe it's bringing forgiveness or kindness to a, a friend or a stranger in need. Maybe for you, it's investing in the kids that God has in your home. Maybe God is calling you to reach out to someone, to, to be a light, to serve him in some way. You'll know what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and that it's going to last for eternity when you continue to renew your mind. So we deepen our relationship with Christ so we know what God has for us. The way we stay focused on what will last is we avoid attachment and distraction to what won't last. We avoid getting attached to those things that are temporary or being distracted by, excuse me, being distracted by those things that are temporary. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. In this race of life, we lay aside the weight and sin that so easily attaches. We, we avoid attachment. Don't get overly attached to the weight of this world, to the stuff of this life that doesn't matter. The classic example for attachment to what doesn't matter, and please forgive me for naming names, but I'm going to name a family that you and I all know that is way too attached to things that don't matter. Are you ready for this? It's the Kardashians. The Kardashians are attached to things that don't matter. Now, I don't know them personally, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of judging here, so forgive me for that. But if you spend any time watching the Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which I don't encourage you to do, I've been channel surfing and stopped for a moment, and it's kind of like watching a car crash in slow motion. You just can't take your eyes away, but you know something horrible is about to happen. There is so much energy and effort and fret and emotion that they express over things that are trivial, that are meaningless, that won't last. Yet that dominates their storylines, their conversation, their days, their weeks. And if they have a good day or a bad day, it's based on this, that, or the other thing that literally doesn't matter. There is the definition of cattiness and, and pointless conversations and wasted emotion that is shown on display for your and I's entertainment. We don't want to get overly attached, emotionally attached to things that don't matter and won't last. There are grudges that you're holding. There are offenses that you're carrying that literally don't matter. Don't get attached to those things. Don't get attached to the things of this world that will not last forever. Your home, your car, your paycheck won't last. Your title won't last. Yet we get so attached to these things. Your health won't last. Yet we get so attached to these things that all of our energy and effort is focused on them. And don't get distracted. It says this, that we're supposed to run with endurance the race. 
set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. But how many times when we're supposed to be looking to Jesus, we're looking everywhere else. We're distracted by entertainment or by comfort or by uh, trying to pursue more money, more time, more relationship. We start getting involved in things that we know Jesus would not want us to get involved in. And instead of being focused on him, we're distracted by him. We have that vacation home that keeps us away from church. We have that sporting activity that keeps us away from ministry. And we have all of these things that they're just not going to last, but they keep us from what will last. And so as we focus on the future, as we focus on this next season, number one, renew your mind. Focus on deepening your connection with Christ. And number two, avoid attachment and distraction by what won't last. And make sure that you're pursuing God with everything that you have. And as we continue on, number three, I know it says two twice. Number three, we build the church because that means we build the kingdom. Look at Matthew chapter 28. He says, this is what's going to last. <coughs> this is what's going to matter for eternity. Go therefore, because of all of who Jesus is and all of he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. This is it. This is what God is calling us to do in this next season. When you come out of that water of baptism, your new direction, your new purpose is to make disciples, is to tell people about Jesus, is to be anointed by the Spirit to announce the good news that Jesus saves. This is what we do. But so many of us say, no, nope, I can't do that. I, I, I don't want to bring up that conversation. It's a little bit awkward. I don't, want to, I don't want to interrupt my working relationship. I've tried to tell that family member that many times. I just, I just don't think that it's my role to be the one that's out there telling people about Jesus. Listen, this is not just the pastor's role. This isn't just the evangelist's role. You have been anointed by the Spirit to spread the good news. And how dare you keep the best news, the cure for sin, the, the secret to eternity with God forever to yourself. What is more loving, to tell someone about Jesus or to not tell them about Jesus? We want to be about the business of telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ with our words, with our action, with our church. And this has to be what happened because God is there with his winnowing fork. <clears throat> he has the ax at the root of the tree. And he is saying, I'm going to separate out the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff are going to burn with unquenchable fire. And I know, I know how to stop that from happening. I know who can stop that from happening. I know what can help your life. I know what can give you purpose and can give you joy. I know what can cause you to have life and to have life more abundantly. And I will not keep silent. I will not keep that to myself. I've been anointed by the Spirit. I want to please God the Father. And I want to tell people about Him. I want to shout it from the rooftops that this is what God has for you. He has life and life more abundantly. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Our mission, what matters is bringing the good news to people, is deepening our relationship with Christ and helping others to do the same. What have you done this last week to bring good news to people? What will you do this next week to bring good news to the Lord Jesus Christ? As we continue on, with this thought, let me just ask you one more time. Who is your one and how are they doing? What have you done to invest in the life of your one? And what have you done to give the, to build the church and build the kingdom? In just a couple of weeks, Lord willing, we're going to be launching our Branch Life Campus. And you hear me call it the Branch Life Campus all the time. I do not like to call it the church. We have people like Alex Rope and Kevin Wilson and Todd Kirchner, uh, Mrs. Alex Rope, Jenny Park, uh, uh, Bill Park. There's, uh, I'm going to miss people, Jordan Schick, Martha Schick, uh, Stephanie Carter came out and volunteered the other day. Ben Slaw was moving things. People that are pouring themselves in to allowing us to reopen our campus. They are working hard and giving to what matters. They're giving not to make a building more uh, prettier. 
Not to establish more wall, four walls and a new floor so that, so that we can have a nice place for ourselves, but building a tool that we can use for the glory of God. When they put in late nights trying to make the electrical system work, they're doing it so that more people will come here and hear the good news of the gospel. They're doing that so that we can broadcast the good news of the gospel live stream around the world so that somebody around the world could hear the good news and, get, and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're painting a floor, a room and a floor, where kids are going to gather, you're painting that room so that kids can hear and know the name of Jesus, so that they can have a place where they can grow together in their faith. When you, when you give to the church, when you give of your money, you're giving of your money to establish something that will cause growth spiritual growth in the lives of our community. We're going to be a brighter light because of what's happening here at the Pewtown campus. We're going to be able to be salt in our neighborhood because of what God is doing in this place. But this building is not what's going to last. The lives that it's changing is what's going to last. When you give to Jesus, you are changing your life and you're changing the life of others. God says, hey, I have a new direction for you. And from the moment you got baptized, you've been on that path. Work for what will last. Hopefully in just a few weeks when we celebrate Easter together, Easter with Branch Life Church, you'll be a part of that celebration. But here's what I want to encourage you. Our next season at Branch Life Church starts with Easter. It starts on April 4th, 2021. We are, we are starting the process of recalling our Branch Life Church family back together. We're going to be able to begin meeting at one location, multiple services, but at one location. We're going to be able to serve next to each other together. We're looking for kids workers who can volunteer and lift kids to, in their relationship with Jesus. People that will help with the traffic in the parking lot, the cafe giving coffee to people as they come in, people who will greet one another and, and spread the joy of Jesus. We're looking for people that are going to be a part of teams that will follow up with people, that will help us in worship, that will allow us to connect and serve in our community, that will lead us into this next season. And from April 4th, 2021, all the way through till September, we're going to be in a rebuilding season, a recall season, a reconnect, where we're going to be able to, Lord willing, as the pandemic decreases, increase our connection to one another. And we're super excited about it. It all starts with Easter. So if you're ready to be a part of an in-person worship, we want to ask you to start joining us at Easter. And if you're not ready, if it's not right for you and your concerns or your health situation, continue worshiping with us online until you are ready. And we're even looking to build our online ministry team into the future so that we can continue to have a presence online for those that worship in that way. But it all starts this Easter. I'm excited about what God could do. And if we are able to reconnect as a church and worship together, renew our minds, focus on what matters, and we go into next September, next September we're going to do a community call out, a grand opening of sorts where everybody's ready, assuming that, again, the pandemic is pretty much dealt with, where we can call our friends and neighbors to celebrate God and to worship together. And launch from there into what's next. We want to be a part of a church of building what will last. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what God is going to ask us to do or what his opportunities are going to be for us. But we know that God will open doors for us to continue loving him and loving our neighbors as a church. So if you're a part of Branch Life Church, if you're regularly a part of Branch Life Church, we're asking you to be all in as we move forward. How can you serve? How can you invest in what matters? And how can you be a part of building the church and building the kingdom of God? So this next week, what will you do that lasts? What will you be a part of that lasts forever? Individually, as a family, and as a part of the church of God. Let's pray about that together. Dear God, Heavenly Father, as we think about who you are, as we, as we see your example of baptism that launched you into a ministry that matters, God, I pray that you would help us as a church to focus on what will last for eternity. Help us to be all in with loving God and loving our neighbor. And God, as we go through this next season, 
We ask that for your glory and for your honor, you would take these moments between now and next September to allow us to reconnect in ways that, we've never, that we haven't been able to do in a long time. Help us, Lord, to be a community together, to be a family together, to grow together, to love one another together. And God, I thank you for so many who are giving so much to allow us to come together at our new Pewtown campus. God, as families, help us to be dedicated to what matters. Help us, God, to invest in one another in love, to invest in our neighbors in love, and to invest in the future of our family in love for you. Give us clear direction of what you would have us to do as families and in the season uh, that we're in as families to be concentrated on, on, God, what will last for eternity. And Lord, for each of us as individuals, as we walk through our day, as we go to our workplaces and to our schools, help us to have an impact in those places for what matters. And God, I pray that you would give us the words, the life, the, the, the power, the bravery to be able to share the love of Jesus with those around us. And in specifically, God, I pray for our ones that they would hear from us over and over again about the wonderful opportunity that Jesus gives for us to follow him. God, if there's any that don't know you as personal Lord and Savior and they're a part of this worship today, I pray that today they would make the decision to follow you. And Lord, for those that have decided to follow you but have not yet been baptized, God, would you move in their hearts and minds to take that step of baptism. Whatever is next, whatever you ask us to do as a church, God, for your glory, will you build your church for your kingdom. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad that you could be a part of our worship time together. As we talked about what really matters from Matthew chapter 3 and verses 11 through 17. If you haven't yet done it, please go ahead and fill out your connection card. You can do a couple of things. You can just let us know you came by filling out your name, or you can ask a question. We'll answer that in a future broadcast, or let us know how we can pray for you. We want to encourage you to be with us next week as we go to the next section, Matthew chapter 4, The Temptations of Jesus, in our Reintroducing Jesus series, and we lead up to our Resurrection Sunday on April 4th. If you haven't jumped into the 36 Days of Prayer, you can go to see that on our website. You can join in now and start praying with us for resurrection power as we continue together as a church. We hope that today this has strengthened your connection to Christ so that you can now go and reach our world together. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for worshiping with us.